right, hello and welcome to the Redeem the Dream podcast, episode 10. Today's podcast is about basketball training and development in young players. And we have a very special guest on today, Sarah Takahashi. Did I say that right? You did. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, thank you so much for doing that. Sarah has an amazing following on Instagram, about 140-some thousand people follow your ball handling drills and such. That's amazing, man. How did you actually develop that kind of platform? It just kind of grew on its own. It started to build on its own, really, once I started uh, posting some of the two ball drills that I was working on. uh, Some people just started tagging each other, and then I sort of had bigger pages post me. I've had different celebrities or ESPN, uh, House of Highlights, you know, some of the bigger pages ended up reposting some of my work. uh, And that's just how more people started following me. That's amazing. So you never took some kind of eight-hour Instagram class how to develop a plan? Oh, no. <laughs> Everything that I've got gotten to this far with my business, I've really just done out of passion and being blessed with other people helping me out and being lucky with certain opportunities. <laughs> That's amazing. I actually just took a little Instagram class. It's like a whole new kind of business around that and people trying to get their following up and all these little tricks but the natural way seems to be the best way just kind of worked out you just being you (laughs) yeah okay awesome can you do you mind telling your um your story a little bit um you uh grew up in around santa cruz is that right and then kind of got to hawaii and Mm -hmm. your whole basketball journey can you share about that Yeah, so i grew up actually in santa cruz california where i played most of my basketball career. I mean, I started at three years old. I played all four years starting on varsity for my high school team. And then sort of after high school, I became burnt out from basketball and I decided to just focus on school where I went to San Diego State and I was studying kinesiology with emphasis and pre-physical therapy. And when I was at San Diego State, I actually did an internship over in Hawaii where I was interning at Pearl Harbor Hickam for about three, four months. And while I was over here, I just really liked the island. I mean, the beaches were beautiful. The food is amazing. Everyone here is really friendly. So I just, I really liked the vibe here. And so by the time I wrapped up college, I just decided, you know, I wanted to move somewhere new and I really liked Hawaii since I just recently lived there for a few months and I decided to move out here. And um, when I moved here, I actually met Jose, who is one of my lead trainers in TakiFit now. Uh, I met him in Hawaii and we started playing one-on-one. He brought me to a park and that's when he had brought to my attention that, you know, did you like play college basketball? Cause you're really good. And I, I had explained to him that, you know, I decided not to play just cause I wanted to focus on school. And he really encouraged me to try to bring basketball back into my life. And he thought I could play at a college level. So um, he, I started training again and doing all these things to get back into shape and just to get the feel for the basketball. Cause I hadn't played for like four years and um kind of during my journey of getting back into playing mode and seeing if I was able to play anywhere, um, I was sort of overtraining and that's what caused me to 
rupture my ACL and tear my meniscus, which brought me, uh, you know, kind of paused my goals there for, for a minute, but it opened a, another door of opportunity, which was actually kind of the growth and the birth of Taki Fit. <laughs> so while I was rehabbing uh, my injury, I was doing a lot of stationary two ball dribbling. I was going into the gym, only rehabbing and working on my drills because I wasn't able to work at the time because of the injury. And I just decided that I was gonna start documenting my progress on my social media. And sort of each day that I went in, I would try to get a little bit better than what I was the day before. And I would just keep posting it. And a lot of people were interested and they motivated me and started following me because I was relentless with my workouts and I just kept wanting to get better. And um, I don't know, people just became intrigued by seeing my progress. That's amazing. So. It's kind of unique. It's kind of awesome that you said there's a guy that uh, kind of encouraged you to to start up again. We all need people like mm-hmm. that in our lives to remind us what we're meant to do. It's so cool that it just blew up. So what now that you're training? How many kids do you train a week, and what kind of does Taki Fit look like? You have camps, you have group training, you have individual training. Um, you work with people of all ages and skill levels. Can you describe mm-hmm. a little bit more exactly what Taki Fit does? Yeah, so within our program, we train kids anywhere from typically three years old through high school or even after high school. And how our program is set up is anybody who is new looking to join, we usually do an evaluation for them. And then after the evaluation, we're able to direct them to all the different classes within our program that fit their skill level. And then they can sign up to as many classes as they wish to attend. Uh, with the classes that we recommended for them. So within our program too, it's important to us that each kid uh, gets enough attention, that they each get equal instruction. And that's why we keep a one trainer to five athlete ratio within our program. So our classes are typically anywhere, you know, from six to 15, 20 kids. Awesome. What kind of drills do you do with a three-year-old? We're three years old, uh, usually for, I mean, any of the younger groups in elementary, you just want the game of basketball to be fun for them. And you usually try to find different ways to develop just their overall coordination. Uh, usually for like a three-year-old is just being able to dribble the basketball, being able to stop, being able to catch a ball, pass a ball, um, just really developing their, their basic coordination and making the game fun for them so that they want to continue to play. Okay. And you mentioned you started playing basketball when you were three. Did your parents kind of get you into that? Or did you come from a basketball family? Or how did you start at three years old? Do you play in a league at three years old? Is that what, you, what you're basically saying? Like oh, no, no. The YMCA league or something like that? I, I just had uh, – I just know I was playing or starting to mess around with basketball at three years old because my mom would – she would be recording me and I found these old family videotapes of me dribbling around a basketball at three years old. So uh, besides my grandma, nobody else actually played basketball in my family. I think I had an interest and a love for it growing up just because I would always watch warrior games on TV with my dad and my auntie. They would always be watching the Warriors games and I would 
as a young child, just watch it with them. And then after the games, I'd always go outside and try to imitate the players or, you know, pretty much imitate whatever I saw on TV on my tiny hoop outside. <laughs> well, that's funny. Is it, uh, has it been difficult for you or, or, or challenging for you when you're training, switching, switching training young kids to, to elite players, like your approach, the way you approach them? Do you, how, is there, is there a big difference? Um, I mean, what's, what's more fun to you or what, how do you feel like the difference is? I mean, for me, seems like the better people get, the harder they kind of know they have to work and it makes it actually a little bit easier to work with players that are already players mm -hmm. as opposed to somebody that's just kind of starting out. Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's definitely easier to work with players that are already developed, uh, that already have a good understanding of the game of basketball. Cause usually with them, if they're already successful at basketball, it's, it's, it's just really easy to give an instruction and then they'll do it. Or you just got to make a little adjustment or show them and then they're able to execute it. For players that need more attention, like especially younger ones or who, players that, you know, may not be able to get a new skill set right away, they need more time. Um, you know, that to me, I, I find it, it's like a game and a puzzle that I enjoy is if I can get this five-year-old beginner to do the same move as this varsity high school student, you know, then to me, that's what's what I find fun and joy in training is if I can get any skill level or age to execute the same work that whatever our more elite players are doing, then to me, I'm doing a good job of teaching. Okay. And do you have, um, when you start working with, with players, is there some kind of uh, conversation you have before you start training them in regards to expectations, their attitudes, the, the culture, a talkie fit, or do they just jump in and then kind of learn the culture and, and you just kind of adapt around them? Cause that... It's a little bit of both. Yeah. Usually if there's a new kid that's like joining the group for the first time, we'll huddle them in and just give a reminder of what our expectations are of holding the ball or, you know, eyes on the coach when they're talking, um, just a quick reminder. And then usually once we get going though, uh, the kids that have been in the program for a while, we can usually use them to help the newcomers of learning what the expectations are and keeping everybody accountable for each other. So um, once you join our program, we do consider you like family and everybody's treated the same and everyone has the same expectations. All right. And do you have any, um, have you, you don't have to say any names or specific stories if you don't want to, but in regards to issues with parents, has that been tough dealing with parents? Do you allow them to watch? I know one of my mentors in California, I was telling you earlier about, he, um, he doesn't even let the parents watch when he trains the kids because sometimes parents put too much pressure on kids or they, they try to be the voice during the training and then the trainer can't be the voice anymore, which is something I've experienced too, training kids and, I hate confrontation like that, but he's really good at it. Do you have Do you have any expectations for parents too in that regard, or did you was that never really an issue that came up since you've been doing this? Uh, I've been fortunate enough to have great parents that have joined our program, and I feel like they really support what we do and what we believe in, and they're able to sit down and and watch the trainings. I don't mind that at all, uh, and for the most part, they I haven't had anybody cause any ruckus or anything. I think they they trust us with their kids. They enjoy seeing the children get better, have fun. Um, and at the same time, I just 
I feel like they believe in the, um, in the, what am I trying to, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> they, they understand the, um, the values that we're trying to also um, instill in our program for the kids. Uh, so teaching them respect, teaching them responsibility, um, being a leader, working as a team. Uh, we always try to enforce those values uh, within our program. And I think the parents also uh, appreciate that as well. Okay. Do you have travel teams as well through TakiFit or AU program going on? Or did, did you mention that earlier? Or is it just camps and training? Uh, we partner up with a nonprofit AAU team uh, called The Lightning. So we will kind of work closely together. We'll help train their kids. Uh, and we also um, help coach some of their travel teams within uh, their program as well. So uh, as for a TakiFit AAU team, we don't have one named that, uh, but we work closely with a club uh, that has teams for pretty much all ages. Okay, so do you coach, you actually coach some of these teams too, personally, or do you just do the training? I do most, I do pretty much all the training aspect of it, and then I kind of help assistant coach at a few of the practices for the fourth, fifth grade, and also for the seventh through eighth, or sometimes high school as well. Okay. How long have you been doing this now? A couple of years, I imagine, as far as TakiFit. How long has TakiFit existed? TakiFit has existed for about three and a half years now. Oh, wow. So you're still pretty new. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Do you still have any... Building each day. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any cool success stories yet where you feel like a kid came in with no confidence and hardly any skill, and after a while they've made huge improvements? Oh, I mean, that's... There's a lot of success stories like that. Uh, <laughs> I've had kids that have come in, they've never played basketball at all, and they want to try out for their high school team and just either make varsity or, or JV. And we've had about three months to work with them maybe with zero basketball knowledge or skill, and we were able to get them on the JV team. So I think um, we've had small success stories like that. That's happened a few times where kids just come in, they have zero experience playing basketball, but they want to try out for their school team. And we have like like four months to work with them and they're able to make their teams. Um, we've had a lot of, uh, it's just noticeable too, the players that come in that, you know, they're not very skilled, which means they don't have confidence really in playing either. That kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, but then when they continue to come to our program, and they start to see progress and they start to see themselves succeed, uh, their confidence starts going up. And then you can see that in their style of play because they're looking to attack the basket. They're looking to actually score. They're not just timidly dribbling the ball and then, you know, just losing it right away. So um, with those small success stories uh, within our program, uh, you know, that makes me happy and that's what motivates me to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, on a larger scale, I mean, I've had uh, players that I was fortunate enough to work with. They've had really great, successful stories. Um, Haley Jones, I mean, she's the number one pick. She's going on to Stanford doing great things this coming year. Uh, we've had Megan Huff. She just got drafted into WNBA for the Liberty. 
So what um, have you done with those players? Have they sought you out for training and then came to you? For Yeah, Megan, when she was living in Hawaii, we trained her a few times every now and then when she comes back onto the islands, she'll usually hit us up to work with. Um, for Haley Jones, I, I, whenever I'm in Santa Cruz, I'll usually contact her and we've got a few sessions in before as well. Um, but her parents were actually my high school coaches growing up. So I stay in contact with their family closely. Okay. Why do you think you're so successful at this? Because this is super, I feel like what you're doing is so unique. I mean, a lot everybody and their mom does basketball training, but not everybody does it like you. You think it's your personality? It just kind of happened naturally? Just kind of meant to do it? Or do you feel like there's certain things that you apply that has made, has made you so successful so fast at this? It's just my passion for wanting to see every child that I work with get better than what they were the day before. So I don't, in the sense where I don't care if you're just a three-year-old starting out or you're this top recruited player I'm working with. To me, you're both the same. And my job is just to get you better than what you were the day before. And so, um, you know, I try to always make each workout that I make, I'll always specify it to who's attending, what they need to work on and how can I make it better than what it was the day before. And so, um, you know, to me, I treat every kid that I work with as if they were my kid. I don't have any kids, but I consider all of them my kids. (laughs) And so um, I just want to see them succeed and build confidence. And that's what I really, base a lot of my work out of and at the same time I also want to see my brand grow and um, through our brand we really want to help just spread values that I think are important Um, you know respecting others treating others how you want to be treated uh, and just influencing people to become uh, confident and the better people so that they can help impact their communities as they grow up as well. That's great. Do you guys have a mission statement? Is that, is that base? Was that basically it? Yeah. I mean, our mission statement is to obviously help kids get better at the game of basketball, but while doing that also helping build their confidence and help them uh, develop these values in life, both socially um, and just how their mentality of how to approach life as well. So uh, just helping them be responsible, helping them understand the importance of listening and respecting others um, and helping them become leaders, I think will help them both on and off the court. Awesome. What are some things that you do to make your workouts fun? I know you play music and you do stuff on the beach, some ball handling stuff and mm-hmm. ladder stuff. How did you come up with that? I mean, I guess you're on the islands, but... I think that's that's a pretty cool idea. I mean, I love basketball. I like to dribble around, have fun. So, I mean, at the, the, everyone goes to the beach in Hawaii, and I just like to bring basketballs when I go to the beach, though. And <laughs> so for me, I, uh, I've i always done workouts on the beach, too. So, like, bringing the ladders, all that stuff, uh, it, it's easier to on your joints when you train in sand, too. Um, but for me, I, I just, I always love dribbling around. And so I'll bring a basketball with me wherever I go. And uh, to me, it's always about having fun. And and I like to mix things up and be different. 
And uh, I just, that's how I play around at the beach. <laughs> so would you say you love basketball more now than you ever did when you were playing? I would say it, just that passion is back again. You know, growing up as a kid, I loved it. I, I always wanted to play. I loved the competitiveness of it. Um, it it sort of died out with, with uh, you know, um, being burnt out and a few other situations that happened in life, I guess, that made me not love it as much. Um, but now that, that passion is there again because I get to, I get to help kids, I feel like, uh, enjoy basketball the way I enjoyed it. And I, I understand why I started to not enjoy basketball so much um, now that I'm older and I look back at it. And those are the things that I want to avoid in my program for kids. Like I want to help them build their confidence so that they enjoy playing and they feel successful on the court. And that's what brings sort of inner joy is when you can express that on the court too. You bring up a good point there. What are some of those things you want to avoid? Do you feel like you had some coaches that had an approach with you in the past that may have not been beneficial or, or you, you don't have to elaborate if you don't want to, but uh, I, you bring up, you bring up some good points there. And I think it's, it's important to, to speak that out, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, um, just keeping the game fun, especially for younger kids as well. Um, so just finding ways to communicate with them where uh, it is fun and also finding a balance, obviously, of uh, getting the kids to execute what you need them to do and being re respectful, um, but just kind of finding a combination of both. Everything doesn't have to be drill, 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 run, run, run. Um, we can incorporate uh, small competitive games into drill, into drill settings uh, where it is fun. It's fun competition as well. So um, keeping it like that and then just also providing them uh, a team that they can play on where everyone's having a fun time. I think uh, that, that's important as well. Awesome. Okay, cool. And in closing, what are two or three things that you feel like are most important to keep in mind for anybody that's working with kids in regards to developing their basketball skills? Is I think one important thing is just to always be encouraging. Uh, as soon as you start, uh, you know, just giving someone instruction, or if it's not constructive criticism, then it's not going to help them. It's going to bring their self-esteem down. So uh, you just always have to be encouraging and then be patient as well, understanding that everybody's different. Everybody learns on a different skill uh, or at a different rate. Um, then that will help you be a more successful and diverse trainer, I think. Okay, so it's the intangibles that are way more important than the practical things. Being right. Encouraging, <laughs> being patient. So mm -hmm. that's great. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for spending some time with us. And I can't wait to see where your brand goes. It's been really inspiring just following you on Instagram. And maybe we're going to have to bring you out to Indiana one of these days. Yeah, I've never been to Indiana. So yeah, there's, there. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to see. Not really, but it's, it's a good place. <laughs> Shouldn't say basketball is big. Basketball is big. I will say yeah. that. So you came to the right place. All right, that concludes episode 10. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you later. Take care. Uh -huh. God bless. Bye-bye.